0: Hello everyone, and welcome in to episode. Great question. I don't know what episode this is, but it's
1: <laughs> listed. I
0: lost track. This is that's what B said. The schedule edition, kind of. Uh, I'm your host Bree at Breezy Cleat, and I'm joined by the gang. Is here Miss Brittany Mollis at
1: Bird's Eye View. Hello, Brittany. Hi guys. Just sitting here watching the Cleveland Indians. No big deal.
0: Woo! Look at you. Uh-huh. At least I got some hits tonight. Emmanuel
1: Clace. Woo! <laughs>
0: Clapping. This like, Meredith Kane like,
2: is I wish here. Could see, I wish people could see her face. She did that on purpose. <laughs> she did. I know you did that on purpose. Hello, Meredith. Hi. Are you watching the Indians? Uh, I'm not. I had the news on, but I had to turn it off because it was making me sad. Okay. Well, here What's... we are, ladies. It's good to see your
0: faces. It's Hello? nice to see
1: you too. Oh, you guys have glasses on tonight and
0: I don't. I'm always a loser left out. Oh, I just can't um, take the contacts all day long and all night long. So here we I are. Feel you. I feel you. I'm for bed almost. Um, well, we've got a great show lined up tonight. We're going to get into some Browns things. We know that this schedule release is going to be happening on the day we release this episode. However... We will get into all of that next week, but we will talk about. We know the matchup. So, we're going to talk about what is our ideal schedule. We had a wonderful Building the Browns episode that released on Sunday that made our hearts smile. So, we're going to talk about that. And then I've got some rants uh, that I want to hear about from Miss Brittany Mollis and Miss Meredith Kane, a couple of heated things to get into that I'm just going to let them have at it and sit here quietly.
1: Bri, aren't you mad about anything?
0: I feel like I'm always mad about things, <laughs> um, but right now I cannot disclose what I'm mad about because it would probably get me in trouble at work. So I will just Woo. quietly let you guys rant. That'll Spicy. um,
2: that'll be the name of our next podcast. In addition to this one, it'll be called Mad About Something, and it'll literally just be us ranting.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Give me some time. I've uh, I'm tired because we had I had double baseball games tonight at the same time. So Mm. little dude, yeah, little dude started T-ball, had his first game yesterday, and then he had a back to back today. And then Miss Layla had a baseball game tonight. And I just have to share a proud mom moment. You know, Layla, I accidentally signed her up for baseball with the boys. Um, Mm -hmm. She wanted to keep playing she got the game ball tonight because she went two for two at the plate. Yes, that's our girl. And I was just so proud and she was so excited to get the game ball. And I just had a moment and then little dude, he actually hit it. He batted three times and he hit it from the pitcher all three times. So he didn't even have to use the (gasps) tee. Look at that. And he played pitcher tonight. So, you know, in T-ball, there's not a lot of action that happens. Like typically the ball goes only to the pitcher Mm -hmm. So he was pretty much like, I don't know, the MVP tonight, I guess, because he was getting every grounder. And the thing about him though, is he dives for the ball. He like (laughs) tackles other kids for the ball um, and he dives for the ball. And then every time the other, (laughs) if you think like, I don't know, college and major league baseball players are obnoxious, you've not seen little dude play because he was standing at the, at the pitcher's mound. And every time it's, it's obviously coach pitch. Every time the coach was pitching to the other team and the batter was like swinging and missing little dude was like behind him. he, he And he kept saying like, he can't hit it. He keeps missing. He can't hit. <laughs> literally talking smack. I was like, shh. Like, it's oh, not my gosh. necessary. So
2: My kid will be the kid that bat flips guaranteed in like a year. (laughs) I was about to say, you can send that tape to the Indians because obviously they need bats. So if Layla and little dude can already hit.
0: Not going to lie. I have seen more action and hits in T-ball and baseball than I have from the Indians in some games.
1: So. Yeah, the good news with the Indians is that they can score three runs and, like, sometimes it's enough because they have really great pitching. That's what's happening tonight, it looks like. Although, you know, I don't know, this clay guy <laughs> just just let a guy on base in the ninth. So we'll see how that plays out. Oh, no, it wasn't his fault. Never mind. Is that an error or was it not? We got live
0: play-by-play from Brittany Mala. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this never happens, guys, but sometimes I am forced to watch this team against my will, so that's what's happening tonight. I will just give you all the, the play-by-play. Isn't it class A? Yes. yes.
2: but you call him Place on purpose? But Danny yes. gets
1: mad when I butcher people's names, so I like to say him wrong.
2: That's, yeah, that's why I said <laughs> at the beginning of the episode she's doing that on purpose. You,
0: I will, you're like my parents with, like, restaurant chains. It's like
2: Chipotle... why does everything
0: is why does every
2: boomer parent say because my mother says that why does every boomer parent say chipotle
1: wait are you guys ready for the story yes it's a real quick one i promise then we'll get into sports uh when i was living at home me and my mom and dad used to go to panera all the time (laughs) number one my dad calls it pantera bread So then we go inside and the thing that he wanted was an Asiago cheese bagel oh no. with cream cheese. Oh no. He walks up to the counter. I was like, dad, I'll order. He's like, no, no, no it's fine. I got it. He walks up to the counter. and He's like, can I get a Asiago bagel <laughs> with sour cream? <laughs> I just looked at him like, what? I said, like, he needs a translator because everything he says is wrong. I'm the ones that we I'm were at Starbucks, Seattle. the ones Sour that we were at cream. Starbucks in uh West Virginia, we were on the turnpike, and we go out there, and again, he's like super confident when he goes up to the counter with these things. I was like, Dad, I'll order it. No, no, no. I got this. He walks up to the Starbucks counter and he asks for a tall venti.
2: <laughs> I mean, in his defense, the ventis are venti. very in his defense, the ventis are very tall. True. Did he think, think venti was the type of coffee? Yeah, so he, thought, he thought that was a
1: coffee. So I'll have a tall venti and I like collapsed over <laughs> like because I was laughing so hard at him because I'm like I was right there. You could have just asked me. He's like, no, 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 I got this. Don't worry. And then he did that. And I was like, oh my God, I was, I was out of breath.
0: I feel like we probably have so many listeners too that have had experiences like this. It it does seem like a parent thing to screw up common names and themes. So if you are listening and you've had an experience, you need to tweet at us. Yes. What else? Like what stories of your parents, your grandparents, or I mean yourself or your partner butchering just common names. This happened with my brother-in-law and my sister um you know they have a shared bank account they're married and she made a purchase to adidas and for some reason like on the account it, it like the like ad was like separated from the like the other letters like on maybe like a separate line and mm. he was like what is this purchase from adidas <laughs> she was like you mean adidas <laughs> He thought it was like a different language and they were hacked and they needed to close all of their bank oh accounts. My That's amazing. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, we can transition into, I want to get into Building the Browns episode um, because it was a good one. Before we do that, guys, you know what else I am so excited about? What? what are you excited about?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Tell us.
0: The lawnmower 4.0. 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: not the 1.0. Not the 2.0. Not the 3.0.
0: <laughs> the
2: 4.0. You know
0: how much we love a good lawnmower? Uh, Manscaped has just released the brand new upgraded trimmer moments ago and we own this and we wanted to share in that excitement. So what makes the Lawn Mower 4.0 even better? Well, let me just tell you, uh, it's waterproof. So you can groom yourself in the shower and not have to worry about getting your little hairs or your worms all over the floor. There is wireless charging, uh, which is amazing. It, it uses electromagnetic induction, which helps Battery length lasts longer. It is travel friendly. It still has the skin-safe technology with an advanced ceramic blade. And guess what? We are going to offer this to you at our special discount. You can get twenty percent off and free shipping using the code Fansided20 at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at Manscaped.com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped because no one wants to end up with pubes
2: in their mouth. I think, Brie, you also need to clarify that worms are what your children call pubic hairs because you said worms and I was like, oh, that sounds bad if people don't know. Oh, do you want me to, should I redo the I'm ad? like, no, give we'll
1: call... it in. <laughs> They're like pinworms that come out of your butt. <laughs> That's a thing, pinworms. <laughs>
0: Yes, my children, after my husband was shaving his beard in the shower, um, called all the little hairs worms. And they were like going around to clean to clean up the worms off of the floor. So, yes, pubes, beard hair, worms. It's all know. the same thing. It's all the same thing. When you're five years old. I think my mother-in-law listens to this. I think my parent, my parents definitely listen to this. This is just
2: great i hope i make you guys proud hey you you know how my parents react to this all the time so (laughs) oh you just gotta
0: laugh you know all right ladies let's get into some browns chat so a couple of things going on in the browns world first i have to ask you guys sunday night there was a new episode of building the browns we got some inside looks at what exactly happened during the draft And Brittany, I want to talk to you because obviously we got your guy. They got your guy. And to me, that was my favorite part of building. The Browns was not only drafting Greg Newsome because clearly they were thrilled to get him. But when it got to the JOK pick and him being available and on the board, what was your like? Was it what you
1: expected them to, to be like in that room? So the thing that struck me the most about that entire interaction was just how much they seem to genuinely enjoy one another. All of them. Yes. They seem like they are actual friends, not just people who work together, you know, people that you'd see in the building and wave hi to. No, these guys seem like they really like have a respect, but also a liking for each other, which is so refreshing. And it's it's important. You want to see these guys all on the same page. You want to see them enjoy each other's company. You want to see them joking around, looking like they're having a good time. And that's what we saw on this episode of Building the Browns. You saw, uh, you know, Andrew Barry with his whole, uh, sup guy, and Andrew, with the Cleveland Browns, tired of sitting around. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then Britain got on today and roasted him for it, which was oh. incredible. <laughs> But She's you know, our hero. We oh, love her. she is. We love her more than life itself. Um, but then, you know, when they drafted Jock and just the excitement that you saw on Kevin Stefanski's face, that you saw on Jimmy Haslam's face and uh, JW and Andrew Barry, he had a little smirk, which, you know, a little smirk for Andrew Barry is kind of a big deal when he does something, I think. Um, but yeah, like, it seems like everyone was super happy with it. Um, I really liked when... After they were done draft, you know, they drafted cornerback then they drafted uh, linebacker. They finally got Anthony Schwartz and wide receiver and Kevin Stefanski walked out of his office and he walked past Joe Woods' office and he's like, all right, Joe, just sit in there, Joe. You're done. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> finally, Joe Woods didn't get someone. By the way, is there anyone, anyone in Cleveland happier than Joe Woods right now?
2: No, I don't think so. Absolutely. No, that guy won Maybe, the lottery. I think the only person who could potentially be happier than him is probably the Haslam's because yes. they were literally like witnessing some, like the, what they've been trying to build towards for years and years and years. They're finally seeing it come together and finally seeing the pieces fall into place and seeing the right personnel and just the culture shift, the attitude changes, everything. So yeah, I would say the only people who are probably happier than Joe Woods are the Haslam's.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think it was also pretty apparent too. And we've talked about this on the show, but you could definitely tell by watching that episode that there is just no egos at all. Like mm-hmm. if, if you were an outsider watching that episode, I don't think you would actually know who was the GM versus the head coach versus the strategy officer versus the owners, quite frankly. Like to yeah. me... I don't think I would have picked up on well, who's the guy that's actually making the picks? Who's the head coach in this situation? Who's the defensive coach in this? Who's the ownership group? Yeah. I mean, like they all just were so much on the same page and aligned. It was just refreshing.
1: Yeah. There were that's no surprises. An excellent point. You you are absolutely right about that. They just seemed like you really couldn't tell who who was in charge of who. But guess what, guys? That's what happens when there's alignment. That's what happens when everyone's working towards the same goal and on the same page. Okay, so I have to
0: bring this up. And I know this wasn't specifically on the rundown. We talked about it via text message today, but like it kind of goes maybe with all of this. But obviously like the talk of the last two days has been the Tim Tebow signing as a tight end in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. And I I said today, I'm so happy that the Browns are not in the Tim Tebow experiment because this definitely seems like something the Browns would have signed up for years ago. Like, not Absolutely. that long ago. I feel like they they would have made a decision that was, like, a flashy decision to to drive excitement, like, fake excitement. And I just have to say, that was not a football move that happened yeah. yesterday.
2: Although, to be fair, I don't think that John Dorsey would even consider Tim Tebow just because... Tim Tebow doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I just don't. I don't think that Tim Tebow fits into John Dorsey's vision of what one of his, of what his guys look like. No, so I wasn't I... even
0: saying John Dorsey. I was saying like during the Johnny Manziel era, like go, even going back oh, that's... farther than that. Of like they want to like because we've had regimes that have been been around that sign people or draft players for like excitement and to sell tickets, not necessarily to put together a good football team. It was like, let's have people pay money to come watch us because we signed something that is being talked about and is exciting. Not necessarily like, because it's a good football
1: move. Wow, you know I, can't, I can't wait to talk about the Cavs later now that you're saying it. <laughs> oh, now you're no, no, speaking my language. brought that up actually. okay.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of paying to see things, I would potentially pay to see, because there have been a few schedule leaks and we know that the Jaguars are going to have a home game in London. I would pay a small amount of money to see Tim Tebow walking around London, just offending people with a terrible British accent and like walking up to random people going, good day governor mate, nice day fish and chips. Because that's something that I would picture Tim Tebow doing. I I was like, wait, would he? I was like, does he do that? (laughs) That's something I would picture. Is that a personality trait? (laughs) I mean, have you seen like videos of him talking? He's got the personality of a paper towel. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Can I
1: confess something?
2: Yes, please.
0: Did you have a crush on him?
1: uh, No, 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 absolutely not. (laughs) He's too religious for me. (laughs) Um, No, I actually answer the phone like that sometimes, Meredith. I go, hello, governor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, great. They'll just look at me like, what the hell's wrong? What did you raise?
2: (laughs) Hello, governor. I just, it just like, (laughs) I just, but like, it's so funny because some some accents in London are very difficult to understand because it's just like, it's a melting pot of people from all over the UK. This is like a tangent. But like when I was studying abroad there, and I had to get to a class like on the other side of the city, I didn't know what line to take, so I went up to someone in the underground and asked for directions. And I swear to God, I could not understand a a thing this guy was saying. He was telling me which line that I had to take to get to that side of the town, and the line was Hammersmith and City. But I swear it sounded like he said Hammersh. I was like, what? What? Where am I going? I'm gonna be late for class. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to be late for class. Where do I go? And I just, I just said, thank you and walked away. Cause I was so, i like one of my classmates was with me and we're like, we're, we're missing our class. We're never going to make it on time. We don't know where we're going. We're lost. This is ridiculous. But yeah, I would, I would love to see Tim Tebow just like Instagram live himself in London doing
0: okay.
1: like completely stupid
2: things. Tim
0: Tebow would love to see himself too. As well,
1: <laughs> I've seen people say that, you know, urban didn't do this as a a football move he did it as a mentorship sort of thing for trevor lawrence what do you guys think about that Ugh,
2: i you I, know he could have been he could have just been hired on the coaching staff right that's what i'm
1: saying like if that's if that's the case you're taking away a roster spot for somebody else for another tight end who's probably a lot better let's be honest yeah
2: well, and a like, lot younger and if i'm trevor lawrence i don't want to take advice from one of my tight ends who hasn't taken a snap in the NFL for almost a decade. Yeah, I
1: think, you know, urban was like, well, Trevor's religious. Tebow's religious, <laughs> like this no, makes
2: urban, total urban, sense to me. Urban just likes hiring. His, his, friends. his friends. Yes. Yeah. Like that's why he hired that racist strength coach from Iowa that lasted like 24 hours. Cause I think he realized that he can't get away with that in the NFL. So he was well, like, Oh, oops, I made a mistake. My bad. I had no idea. Yeah, no, you knew urban's shut up.
0: Well, I think there's, there's a lot to that though, because we've talked about this too on the show before. Like if you've ever been in a position in your career where leadership changes over and you have different people in charge, they typically do like to bring in people that they're comfortable or familiar with. So like not surprising at all that this was a super bizarre, like, because it's, a player and that's taking up a potential roster spot Mm -hmm. um but it's that familiarity it's almost like you know Stefanski signed Andrew Sandejo last year right like was played for the Vikings Andrew Stefanski was familiar with Andrew in the system I don't think he was obviously supposed to have that big of a role but nonetheless he was on the team I think to kind of be in the locker room. Now, the difference between that and Tim Tebow and Urban is Tim Tebow hasn't played in the NFL, like Meredith said, like in almost a decade. Yeah. So it's just very different because, you know, Andrew Sandejo had a rough season, but at least he was in football shape and had played a snap in the year prior. Uh, this whole thing reminds me of like, have you ever worked at a place where someone less qualified than you? gets a better position or higher position than you because they know someone in the company or it's like the son or the daughter.
2: Yes, I have never experienced (laughs)
0: that. Everyone (laughs) here has experienced someone that is less qualified, getting something or a position, being at an advantage just based on who they know and what that relationship is.
2: I have no idea what
0: (laughs) that is like. Yes, it is very frustrating. So for me... I was like, is this really going to help the culture of the locker room? Because I actually could see it being the opposite. And you can miss me with the whole, like, they're going to put packages in place for Tim Tebow and a
2: jump ball and all. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Don't- I- no, no, I've got a lot of opinions on that. Like, first off, I've already seen reports that are, that there are people within the organization that are not happy with the signing. But secondly, you don't build a system around a tight end. That's not how it's you 34 win- years old. That's not how you win football. I don't care if it's George Kittle. You don't build a system around him. You build a system around the quarterback, and then you put the pieces into place that fits that system for the quarterback. Like just the that the fact that they tried to justify signing Tim Tebow by saying they're going to build packages that like they're like Jags are going zero and sixteen this year. Are you kidding me? No. And it seems like that was that was his
1: priority was to get this done, which is so weird like in what yeah. world is
2: signing Tim Tebow in 2021 a priority also the tight end <laughs> the tight end position I feel like is one of the most underrated positions on offense because I just feel like when you look at the offenses of every single team it's always like well who's our tight end who's our tight end? the only teams that don't have that like the Washington football team has Logan Thomas um the 49ers have George Kittle Um, what is it? The chiefs have Travis Kelsey. So like those, like those players are such high impact players Mm -hmm. on those teams. Like how many times was Travis Kelsey a threat on the field? Every single time he's on there, same thing with George Kittle. And I would say Logan Thomas, about 75% of the time that he's on the field, he is a threat that like, you don't want to put a 34 year old who hasn't played in almost a decade in that position, that's where you want to find those guys that are either in the draft or a free agent. And like that tight end, like the tight end position, I feel like is probably one of the most difficult outside of the offensive line to fill. Yeah. And just like Tim Tebow is not the answer. It just made me, I know we spent a lot of time on Tim Tebow.
0: That was not my plan, but like, it just like this, actually, this is something I was, That this is what I was mad about today. Like it was the Tim Tebow <laughs> thing. I literally... <laughs> sat there stewing on my entire drive to the office thinking about how this situation is truly exactly like someone just coming in not actually earning a position in a company or in a position and taking it away from someone else who is probably more deserving of it so yes i am mad about this i found my reason why i'm mad there today you go. we're all there mad you about go. something we're today all mad.
1: you know you know what's a shame though that Urban Meyer and John Dorsey never got to work together. Because oh, they would have <laughs> been on the same page. So that that would have been aligned No,
2: they would, like. I don't think that would be alignment. I think that John Dorsey would want to have his vision and Urban would want to have his vision. And it oh, wouldn't yeah. be the yeah, same. Yeah, but yeah. their
1: vision is terrible people. So like they would be on the same page by like, uh, it's just natural. That's what, I, that's what you need a hard, no,
2: that's what you need a hard knocks for.
0: Don't you? Well, yeah. I do you think Jacksonville will be on hard knocks this year. I
2: didn't think they did it on first time head coaches. I don't think so either, but um, I don't think they've announced it yet. I'll have to look. And then I think there's also like a way that they're doing it. I think there's, I think there's like an agreement with the NFL that like every team has to go at least once. And mm-hmm. then they like, before they start going back and repeating. So I don't know if the Jags have been on it before. I'll have to go look. Like, I think they have like a list. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's it's a good question. The Ravens would be a fun team to see on Hard Knocks.
0: To close the loop on the Urban thing, because obviously I'm a Buckeye fan and I liked Urban when he was the coach at Ohio State, even though he obviously made some very questionable decisions at the very end, which I was not happy with him at that point. Mm. But he was obviously a successful college football coach. I don't know if he's going to make it in the NFL. I, I like it, it's going to be really interesting to see if his methods—I'm saying methods in quotation—translate into the NFL. He definitely seems to be more of like a—I don't know—I don't know what the word is—more of like a leader, less of like being in the details and the weeds. And I just don't know if you—if that—if you can swing that in the NFL. And I just feel very, very lucky and fortunate to have guys on our staff and women on our staff that are actually smart while being quality leaders, it's just a really nice balance of football smarts and just smart, smart, and also being strong leaders. And I just don't think Urban has all of those qualities.
2: I just feel like every time a college football coach tries to go to the NFL, I think the biggest culture shock is that they don't, they're not really the boss of their players yes, because the players are employees. They have a salary. If they are not happy, they can sign elsewhere. If they're free agents, they can get traded. Like there's a lot more power to the players in the NFL than there is in college. And all I can think about is just like all of the, successful college coaches that like spent a brief time in the NFL and then went back to college like Steve Spurrier comes to mind Nick Saban comes to mind um did did Kelly did he is he still with because he was with Notre Dame did he ever leave Notre Dame I feel like there's like one other coach that I'm missing and like the name is like on the tip of my tongue and I can't spit it out that I feel like went to the NFL recently for like a year and then went back to college. I don't know. I just- Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly, yes. That was it. That's, I knew it was something Kelly. I was like, I can't remember. But yeah, did he, I don't think he's still in the NFL, but uh no, Chip Kelly's not in the NFL anymore, is he? No, he's at UCLA. There yeah, that's what UCLA. I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I just, I feel like there's always these, successful college coaches that try the NFL experiment and realize that it is a completely different beast. Well, there's no and, recruiting
0: either. Yeah. Right? right. Like you don't like, I mean, think about it. Urban coached at some of the biggest college football universities that there were like, yeah, it was easy to get guys to sign with you because you're in a power conference school and in a winning football program with a lot of history. Like mm-hmm. you don't have those tools to build off of in the NFL.
2: Yeah, like you don't have the upper hand as a coach when you're trying to yes. get players to come to you. Yes. no, And another thing is Urban Meyer's not used to losing.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a yeah. lot of losing in the NFL. Like yep. yeah. as a rookie coach, um, in Jacksonville, like that team's just not very good. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence will be, I believe that he's going to be a good quarterback. And in a way, I kind of feel like he'll, Urban's career will go as I wouldn't even say as long as Trevor, or as, as long as Trevor Lawrence would take him. I don't even think that's true. I think what's going to happen is about a year and a half to two and a half years. And I think it's going to wear on urban, the losing the mental aspect of it, the, the fact that maybe some of his strengths in college aren't necessarily strengths in the NFL, all these things are going to wear on him. And then he's going to be like, you know, I have health I'm, problems. I'm, exactly, I was going to say something <laughs> worse. Thank you for stopping me. <laughs> like, yeah, um, my heart hurts. Sorry, guys, I'm out. <laughs> and then, you know, we see him another a year later coaching, you know, USC or whatever. Like, that's, yeah, that's going to happen.
2: Yeah. That's like, I, and I remember when he left Florida, because I had a coworker who was a Florida alum. And much like me, his, his alma mater was his whole personality. And I like.
0: <laughs> You're describing um, actually a lot of Ohio State. Actually, I'm a like, lot of Ohio State fans didn't actually go to Ohio State. So I know. Never mind. See, at
2: least see, at least he went to Florida. At least I like got my degree from. I went to Virginia Tech and I got my degree there. I graduated. I have a fifty thousand dollar piece of paper to prove it. Um, but yeah, he like when Urban left Florida, he like broke down and cried in the middle of the office he was so distraught. And then when urban started coaching at Ohio state, like I thought he was going to like burn something to the ground. It was devastating. I was like, I can't judge him because if Frank Beamer had done the same thing, I probably would have reacted in the same way, but you know, didn't. So it just, it's, it feels very strange that urban has this pattern of saying, I don't feel well, I'm not going to do this anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to go to this other program. Okay. I'm done. I'm retired. Just kidding. I'm going to go to this other program. Okay. Now I'm done. Okay. Just kidding. I'm going to go to the NFL. Like, well, yeah. And Bucknuts, you know, like number one, they got mad at me
1: today or yesterday when I said, I don't think his career is going to last long, you know, much longer than a season or two. They got mad about that. But then they also got mad when he originally like retired from Ohio state and they're like, urban Meyer will never coach again he's done he'll be a buckeye forever Ugh. and i'm like guys no he's gonna come back like give him like a year or two <laughs> no he will never coach again and i'm like all right guys and then he came back and you know buck are like they got like their feelings hurt or something they and, but yeah but now they're back to supporting him and saying you know oh he's great he's gonna do great in jacksonville i can't keep up with they're exhausting. They are the most exhausting fan base in the world.
2: You're just going to go march around Cleveland in your hashtag Mollus was right. Res, excuse me. Hashtag Mollus was right, if I don't trip over my own words.
1: How many times do I have to be right before they start believing
2: me? I, I mean, at this point, I feel like you have to give them like the multi million dollar Powerball numbers for them to start believing you or something. I don't know. <laughs>
1: If um, I had them, I would not give them to the Dales. Anymore, okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Get I was rich gonna, off me. I don't think so, buddy. I
0: was going to ask you, Brittany. I just thought of this randomly today. And this kind of goes uh, along the same thing. Are you prepared to fight off the Dales if Jeremiah Wusu ever has a bad game? Because you know, it's going to be your fault.
1: Oh, yeah. Every time Kevin Stefanski, like the first game of the year, I remember they were attacking us because Kevin Stefanski <laughs> yeah. lost. I was like, uh, OK, I'm like, I'm out there coaching. Thanks. Sure. It is all um, your fault. Not only oh, was yeah. Mollis
2: Wallace was right. It's also Wallace's fault. Listen,
1: yes, exactly. It doesn't take the field as like the greatest defensive player <laughs> of all time. From the, the moment he steps on that field, it's going to be my fault. And I accept that, you know, I'm his mom now. So (laughs) I will take blame for everything. It's fine. That's what good moms do. I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh boy, it's going to be
0: another fun season. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of the season, obviously we know as this episode is being released, the schedule will soon be released shortly after, um, which we will obviously chat about next week on our show. But we obviously know who the Browns play this year. So we want to just talk through, remind everyone who the Browns opponents are this season. And I want to ask you guys some questions on who, who do we think the ideal matchups are? And let's get into that a little bit before we actually know what days the Browns will be playing on. So obviously we're going to have the division game. So we're going to face the Ravens twice, the Steelers twice, and the Bengals twice this year. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders at home, the Denver Broncos at home, Detroit Lions at home, the Bears at home, and the Texans at home. The away game matchups are as follows. The Kansas City Chiefs, the LA Chargers, Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, Patriots, and the Cardinals. Who do you guys want to face
2: week one? That's a tough one. Because the, the, money, the money maker would be the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's an immediate... uh, afc matchup like that would be like if the nfl wanted to make money that would be the first one i you know what i kind of want them to open up against the steelers same i really do like i just want i just want to see our new defense manscape over ben roethlisberger
1: (laughs) manscape over ben roethlisberger with a manscape
2: Lord. I mean, it's the it's the lawnmower 4.0. I think they're just gonna lawnmower right over that offensive <laughs> line and and put Ben Roethlisberger on his ass. That's what I want to see. Ben so, Roethlisberger needs an
0: entire lawnmower for what he <laughs> has going
1: on. I feel like I feel like it's probably gonna be the Steelers. It's I'd like be. to say the Chiefs, but I think they're gonna save the Chiefs for a little bit down the road. Yeah. That's I what I think will happen. I don't think
0: the NFL is going to view the Browns as being like there yet. Like there I think that the NFL still views the Browns as not being worthy to be on to be scheduled against the Chiefs in the first game of the season.
2: The Chiefs are the, the Chiefs are like the NFL's darlings. Yeah. I mean, but like, I I don't hate that because we remember what happened in 2019 when they, when the Browns had uh, like the schedule came out and it was all Monday night, Thursday night, four o'clock games, Sunday night football. Like it was just, it was not the right time for that kind of schedule. So I like, I wouldn't hate it if the schedule comes out and it's a whole bunch of one o'clock games. Like I really don't mind. Same. Um, you know, and I, I think what is a little nerve-wracking about the Browns is that the expectations are very high and they're only going to get higher. Um, and that's not a bad thing as far as this organization goes. Like, this is what Browns fans have been craving for 20 years is a good team. And that's what they've got. But, you know, I just, like, I don't want to see the 2019 treatment of the Browns because – you know, one bad game and like Brittany said, you know, it's going to be all her fault and it's just going to be like, Browns fans are going to just be toxic about it. So I would not, I would not be upset if it was a bunch of one o'clock games on Sunday.
1: I wouldn't be upset if for a bunch of one o'clock games. It's not going to be a bunch of one o'clock games. No, I, I think they're probably going to have at least three or four primetime games this season, because although they're not the darlings of the NFL, you know, they're not Pat and Mahomes, mm mm-hmm. They're not the darling, even they're not even Lamar Jackson and the and the Ravens. They're not Um, Tom Brady, like because Tom Brady will always be the darling. But the NFL is all about the money. And whether they like to admit it or not, the Cleveland Browns do generate a lot of views. They just they're a popular team. Whether you're interested in that if that's your number one team, or if you're just interested in you know OBJ, Miles Garrett, they have a lot of names on that team. So there's a lot of interest that they generate. Uh, more so than than most teams to be honest, and I'm not that's not even a biased take. That's just the way it is now, which is amazing. I think I have a little tear in my eye just thinking about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they're they're an intriguing so the NFL sees that and they're like, e- we probably got to give them some some primetime games." And they're going to.
2: So I'm guessing like at least 3 or 4. I mean, it was a lot more fun last year when it when the schedule came out and it was all one o'clock games. And then towards the end of the year, they started flexing games into primetime positions. Like yeah. that, I, I that, that's kind of what I want to see happen again this year. I, I don't want to that's see them happening. like given all those primetime games out of the gate. Like I would love to see them flexed into them. I think because do I uh, do too. I actually, I know I always told myself that I didn't care about the NFL schedule. Cause like, it really doesn't matter to an extent, the order, like, I mean, it does a little bit, but then I actually heard some very compelling arguments today from fans as to why the schedule is important. And it's, you know, especially like if you're, if you're say like you're Brie, you're a season ticket holder with kids, you want to figure out which games you're going to, Mm -hmm. which games, you know, am I going to have to
0: versus a four o'clock or even like an eight o'clock game? Like there, that requires way different planning.
2: Exactly. Like, or should I try to sell my tickets to this game? Cause I know that I have a wedding that weekend and I'm not going to be able to go. When is the bye week? Because I want to, you know, make some travel plans, but I don't want to, you know, so like I actually heard those arguments today and I was like, okay, yeah, no, those are actually really good reasons for wanting to know what the schedule is. And, and I think the other corrected. thing,
0: yes. And I think the other thing too, is like people do travel to away games. Um, bronze fans Mm -hmm. do travel really well so being able to figure out when the away games are and then booking your vacations around those um, is important too Um, and you know I did hear that Governor DeWine I think it was in relation to Ohio State football but talked about full capacity so that's the other thing that hasn't been finalized at this point in time is will the Brown stadium be at capacity? Will, will people that go to games have to prove vaccination or if you're not vaccinated, do you have to take COVID tests? like that? That is also something else that's really interesting because nothing, I have not heard anything at at least from a season ticket standpoint of what that plan is. Like at this point last year, we knew it was going to be limited capacity. Um, But I'm assuming everything's going to be full go. No,
1: Which also, Consider how long which we still don't know how long the vaccinations last or when you have mm-hmm. to get them again or you know, there's so many like you know, moving parts to this still, which is insane. But um hopefully it'll be full capacity. I yeah, just...
0: that it that's gonna be so exciting. Like imagine like having a home opener. Uh, like I hope that I it's a home opener.
1: Wait. Yes.
2: Um, first game against the, against the Steelers. Against the Steelers. Oh like that would be a dream. That would be it Cause here's another reason why I want to see the Browns open against the Steelers, because if, cause I, I think it was like last year, the Browns had their games with the Bengals almost three weeks apart. Like it was a very yes. quick turnaround with the Bengals and it was towards the end of the season. Like, I don't want to see the Steelers games, both of them being put towards the end of the season. And at that point, Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing anymore. Like Meredith's <laughs> already calling it. <laughs> I just like I. I mean, are we gonna see Mason Rudolph around week ten? I would not be surprised. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I want to beat I them don't... at full strength. Give me your yeah, full squad. We... we did it before yeah, with a freaking exactly. like twenty-fifth ranked defense or whatever they were. I know, because then you're gonna have those Steelers fans again being like, "Oh, well, you beat our backups." Okay, well, show up with your starters. Be the starters. Well, oh, it, it doesn't count. Win a game that matters. When we, when we, I'm pretty sure playoff games matter.
0: Yes. All right. So one last question I want to ask you guys about the schedule is, will this be the year the Browns actually win their first game, the first game of the season? I hope so. Because that is the only drought
1: I believe that we are left with. Listen, if we're playing the Steelers, hell yeah, they'll they'll do it. <laughs> Yo. I'm so I am so confident against that team, and maybe it'll come and bite me in the ass. Who knows? But they were the biggest frauds in the league last year, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I don't think they've done anything to improve themselves. Agreed. No, they like really they've haven't. done nothing to get better. And I'm sorry, like you. Whoa, well, you know they won eleven. Was it eleven in a row
2: at one point? Eleven or twelve? I think it was eleven. Right? Yeah, I was 11 in a row, and then they went like four out of five. Yeah, or like for, lost th- four out of five. Also, I like having my own stats boy. We have the That's
1: What beast said stats boy sitting over here. So anytime I'm unsure about something, I just turn to him and ask. He's like, uh, what's his name? Tony Reale when he was on that show, pardon the interruption. And then he'd like throw a paper. Yeah. Um, no, but anyway, back to the Steelers being frauds, my favorite <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, if they play the Steelers in week one, I, I 100%. Think that they're gonna win, Ravens will be more difficult. Um, and the Chiefs, if they play them in week one, probably not. Uh, also, yeah. Bengals, it might be the Bengals, they could be a week one opponent, probably not, but that's I, possible.
2: I doubt it. I don't think that, like, I feel like they would want to get if they were going to make it a division matchup, it wouldn't be against the Bengals. But also, let's think about it like, I feel like out of every year that the Browns have lost their opening game. Like this would be a year that they would be likely to win because not only is the entire coaching staff, the same, like majority of the offense is the same. Like, yeah, a lot of the defense is newer, but I like, honestly, I feel like the pieces that Andrew Barry has acquired are just so talented mm-hmm. that like, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be like, they're obviously not going to be perfect week one, but it's just going to be so much better than what the Browns had last year. Um, going into week one so you have consistency on the offense and talent on the defense like this would be the year that they win their opening game this is it it's our year all right I'm so So nervous
0: we are gonna wrap up the show um with the rants I you guys need right, to do right, this, right, you need right, to let right. it all out. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Meredith first because it ties into the Browns and the fandom, the gatekeeping yes. fandom. Um, yes. Because the Browns are in, like, as fans, there's this weird dynamic of, like, nobody loves us, but then also the you're not allowed into the fandom if you weren't here and have suffered since <laughs> this amount of time. And Meredith, as someone who hasn't always lived in Cleveland and or been a Browns fan... I think has some thoughts about this. So Meredith, the floor is yours.
2: Let me see if I can get my thoughts together on this because I, I find it to be the, the most off-base thing I have ever seen. Um, just because you can't sit here and say, as a Clevelander, stop shitting on my city. And then when people start complimenting your city, say, well, this, this isn't yours. <laughs> Like, well, okay, well, what do you want then? Like I, it's so funny because I always champion for this city because I love it here. I think it is amazing. Like, I think it has all the elements of what it cities have, like Nashville, Austin, Portland. Those are all like quote unquote it cities. They're cities that have grown exponentially because they became the it cities. Cleveland has everything that we need it's not an its city. I hope that it doesn't because I don't want my rent to like skyrocket. But the thing is, is that this place is so cool and everyone is so happy when the major league baseball all-star game goes off perfectly when the draft goes off perfectly and the city gets showcased for what it is, which is a wonderful town with so many amazing things. Like Al Roker was here this week, you know, putting the city on full display on the today show. Like there's just so many amazing things. So then for you to start, and when I say you, obviously not you ladies, but for you to start attacking people because they wanna get to know the city or attacking people because they have attached themselves to the Browns, like you don't have to suffer to be a fan. And like the one thing that I have only seen here in Cleveland, and it is the most obnoxious thing in the world, because quite frankly, nobody cares, But the first thing out of people's mouths are their fan resume. Well, I've been a fan since the (laughs) since nineteen sixty seven, and you know I mowed Bernie Kosar's lawn when I was eleven years old. People say that every single time. Every caller that we get on our radio station, they call in. I've been a Browns fan since nineteen ninety. I've been a like who cares. Who cares if you've been a Browns fan since yesterday or since you were born? Like there people have different reasons for wanting to cheer for a football team. Like this is how you grow your fan base. And I realize the NFL doesn't need necessarily its fan base to grow because it is like when you talk about the major sports in America and the NFL is King, but I saw this, especially with the Capitals growing up in DC, like not a lot of people really paid attention to them. Like they, they went on a Stanley cup run in 1998, 99. Not like, and and I remember paying attention to it and having friends that paid attention to it, but I don't remember seeing a true explosion of fandom until 2006 when Alex Ovechkin was drafted. And then after that, the caps were making the playoffs every single year and you would have fans coming out of the woodworks every single year, people who were showing up to games just because it was the trendy thing to do. And a lot of fans, and this is something that happens with every fan base. A lot of people who had like me, I, I mean, I didn't do this, but I had friends from like elementary school who were mad at these Johnny come lately hockey fans. And I'm like, listen, like, this is how you get the sport to grow. This is how you bring in new fans. Like if someone wants to start watching hockey, they're not going to attach themselves to a losing team. And it's the same thing with the NFL. Like if they don't have a team, but they want to have a rooting interest. They're not going to attach themselves to a losing team. That's just not how it works. But just because the Browns are winning now, it doesn't mean they're going to win forever. Like we see that with the Steelers. They are on, you know, they are on their track to their tanking years. It happens. And the fans that you gained while they were good are still going to be there when they're bad. Like that's just how fans work. That's how especially Browns fans work. So this idea that, well, you didn't suffer shut up. Like, yeah, we should welcome in new fans. Exactly. Like you, you get so mad when people have shit on this team and shit on this city for years and years and years. Now, suddenly when they start to, you know, get excited for Odell Beckham jr. Or get excited for the draft picks that Andrew Barry chose. And you say, well, no, you can't do that. Why not? Why can't they, why are they not allowed to be excited? Like I know plenty of people who are giants fans who started following the Browns just because of OBJ. Like they were not mm-hmm. necessarily Giants fans. They were OBJ fans. Yeah. So they're following him. My best... LSU
1: fans. Or yeah. LSU fans I mean, same around. with Baker
2: in Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my best friend in the whole, in, like from college, she is a Tyrod Taylor fan. So when Tyrod was with the Browns, she was a Browns fan. When Tyrod was with the Ravens, she was a, like, she doesn't have an NFL team, but she has players that she follows. And that's okay. Like it's okay. So I just, I I think what's, what's going to happen with the Browns and what you see happening a lot is when you have the LSU fans, the OBJ fans, the Baker fans, they watch this team because of those one or two players. And when the team starts to win, they're not just Baker fans anymore. They're Browns fans. And you just have to stop being toxic. Just stop. Did I get my point across, or did I ramble too much? No,
0: you're good. And
2: I'm just I, so frustrated.
0: No, it's it's all good. And I think we have to close the show with the Cavs and another warranted rant because the Cavs are still playing basketball somehow. Um, but they also signed 38 year old Anderson Vereshal to a 10 day contract, Brittany.
1: Go ahead. Okay. So let me preface this with actually two things. Number one, you know, it takes a lot for me to get mad at the Cavs. Like I was going to ask lot. you, how do you feel about Kobe Altman? Because there's layers to this. Okay. Kobe oh boy, Kobe, here we go. Let's peel back the onion. In the onion. Yeah. He's in the <laughs> onion layer, but he's not, he's not the source of the smell. Okay. Oh boy. So <laughs> First of all, there was the article that came out in The Athletic um, that talked about players not like they don't like to, to share the court with Colin section. Yes.
2: That's where this was that whole the thing jo- started. Was that yes. the Joe Varded one?
1: Yes. yes. Okay. Um, you know, they were leaking things to the media about how, you know, players in the other teams harass them because they know that Colin's not going <laughs> to give like them high the school. ball. <laughs> and they're mad at him for shooting a lot. They're mad at their best shooter for shooting, which is on a whole other level that I'm not even into. But then, what was it, the same day? Or was it like the day after? It might have been the, day, the after. day after. It was the day after. So then the Cavs, without addressing any of this, <sighs> they just say, Guess what, fans? <laughs> We're bringing back Anderson Farish And I was so mad <laughs> because it has nothing to do with Anderson Vergeau. It has nothing to do with that. I personally did not like Anderson Vergeau that much when he played for the Cavs, but it was more because of my love of Drew Gooden that sort of kept me from liking Vergeau. But that even that has nothing to do with this. The reason I was so mad about it is because I hate, hate the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers are treating fans... Like they are children and giving them not even a shiny new toy, but like an old (laughs) polished up toy. I mean, who hasn't played basketball in like (laughs) five years and they're like nostalgia. They are going to destroy themselves (laughs) by trying to bring back the good old days. I mean, didn't they do
2: that with Matthew Della in like 2018? So here's,
1: and people are like, Uh well, you know, they were getting mad at me because I was mad and I was like, you guys aren't getting it. You're not seeing the bigger picture here. They are, playing you they're treating you like you are fools and you're buying right into it they have very big problems right now the, you know what it reminded me of it's like the titanic when the the string quartet was there playing while the ship is sinking that's what <laughs> anderson varichal is right now he's just something to take the mind you know off the, the they're sinking into their own icy grave and fans you know they're they're cool with that but this is why the Cavs got into a problem with kevin love with that max yeah. deal that mm-hmm. they got because they they were so bound to to keeping 2016 alive the good old days they're so tied to that that they, sentimental yes that they are now like preventing themselves from getting better they can't get rid of kevin love he's throwing tantrums he should by all means be suspended and then it gets into the issue with kobe altman People want to blame him and say, well, you know, he needs to go. They need to shake up the front office. Let me tell you something. As long as Dan Gilbert and Dan Gilbert's son are there and they're not going anywhere. You can fire Kobe Altman. They'll just bring in another Kobe Altman. It doesn't matter. Like they're not going to bring in guys that are going to tell Dan Gilbert no that's not gonna happen so you're just gonna get this revolving door of yes men which fine but again that's not Kobe Altman's fault he has done a very good job evaluating talent drafting so far you know obviously you can't really tell until a few years down the road but like for now Kobe Altman's done a pretty good job you know Colin Sexton was a good pick Darius Garland was a good pick Uh, Kevin Poore Jr. was a good pick until he wasn't. (laughs) And, you know, now he's great for Houston, but there are, you know, problems behind the scenes that I'm not going to get into. Um, But he's that you know, he got Jared Allen for basically nothing. So there are a lot of good things that Kobe Altman has done. So I don't think it's, everything comes, and then, oh, wait, before I I get into Dan Gilbert, people want to blame Colin Sexton too, which is my number one trigger because it's not Colin Sexton's fault that he is Dan Gilbert's favorite. It's just not. You know, the organization has been pushing him and pushing him and pushing him to be the face of the franchise. And he never asked for this. He's a good kid who just wants to mind his business, play a little basketball, like work really hard. This, and Dan Gilbert really loves him for some reason, whatever. But I think there—it's creating this animosity, not only in the locker room, but between, you know, fans and the whole culture is like crumbling around him. And this kid has nothing to do with it. Like he's I just, know. he's just there to play basketball. So, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to the Gilberts. This is 100% all their fault. And I just ask fans that when they put things in front of you, like Della Vadova or Anderson Faragell, that you don't get so caught up in nostalgia that you're just like, oh yeah, you know, this is great. Meanwhile, you're on the sinking ship. Just remember that you're on the sinking ship, please. That's Very it. well said, honestly.
0: <laughs> I, I, it, it is like so confusing. <laughs> that was a really sad ending though. It was, I like the onion was peeled all the way back. Now we're all crying. Um. So thank you for bringing that all to the surface. Welcome to my world. Yeah. I don't really have much. All we do is cry here. I I don't have much to add to this, but like, you're right. It just feels like it was like, it all happened at the end of the season too, which is just Mm -hmm. even,
2: I don't know. The whole thing was just weird. And we lost Lindsay Gottlieb. She's going back to college. She's going to coach at USC, which is very sad. Because, they gave her a lot of
1: money and yeah. you know what she earned every bit oh, of it yeah. and she's
2: going to be so
1: happy there i'm so happy for her i also, know like, i'm sad for this mess. Mess. Like, getting <laughs> off the sinking ship
0: this is her life I yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. She's gone.
2: She, she, She's good she to go. A, she not only got her, a life raft, she got her own private life raft with like a captain that's rowing it away for her. <laughs> also, <laughs> and poor JB Bickerstaff, who has
1: to deal with all of this. Yeah, I, lo- I love. I love. Like, that's dysphrenic. Him and Colin are the biggest victims here. I think.
2: I love JB. I hope that he sticks around because I think that he is the coach that could turn this team around. I think he has the talent. He has the knowledge, the skill, the know-how. Like I am a huge JB Bickerstaff stan, but I worry that he could either lose his job because the seat is a little bit hot or he could do what Lindsay did and kind of leave on his own accord. And I don't want to see either of those happening. Um, And especially when you were talking about Kobe Altman it just reminded me of like the constant regime changes that the Browns went through. And we just knew that wasn't good for that team. And the Cavs have had a lot of front office turnover. And I think they need to figure out like what's going on in their front office and they need stability there because as we've seen with the Browns, if there is not stability in the front office, you're not going to have stability on the team. Like it trickles down.
0: Yeah. Very good point. They are a mess, and unfortunately, like Brittany mentioned, you have young players that are the future of the franchise that are getting caught in all of it, and it stinks. Yes, it stinks.
1: That's that's the unfortunate. There's going to be casualties. That and these, you know, people like Colin Sexton, JB Baker stuff. They have nothing to do with this. And uh, to Kobe Altman's credit, he has probably one of the hardest jobs in sports because imagine trying to do what you want to do as a professional you know, as a general manager, you want to take pride in your work and build this team that you want to build. And then also having to please someone like Dan Gilbert mm-hmm. with everything that you do, everything that you want, everything, all of your personal mission, they get, you know, they're lost in the background now. They don't matter. So again, you can blame Kobe all you want, but really if they fire him, they'll just bring in another Kobe. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: Yep. Ladies, that wraps us up for this evening. quite the show quite the show we will have plenty more to dive into next week with the finalized schedule release so we'll be looking forward to that and i'm sure there will be plenty of other things to talk about in the sports world but we thank you for tuning in tonight again as we remind you you can find us on apple itunes spotify stitcher and now what are we on
2: meredith odyssey odyssey Odyssey. the odyssey app yeah so if you listen if you use the odyssey app or anything you can find and subscribe to our podcast on that app as well. Awesome. Um, And then again,
0: like we love hearing from you. So shoot us a note on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the episode. If you have anything to add to uh, random names your parents make up, we would love to hear from you or any thoughts on the Brown schedule, who you want to see in week one. And if we will break the drought of losing the opener. We hope you guys all have a wonderful week uh, and we will talk to you all next week.